Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. from James chapter 4, starting at verse 1 to verse 12. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says... God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Thank you, Audrey. <clears throat> it's my pleasure to um, welcome Heather to the stage and just to say a prayer before she brings God's word. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for uh, this day and we just thank you for Heather who has served many years in this church, Lord. And we just pray that what she brings this morning might be right from your heart, Lord. That you'll just give her a sense of peace as she delivers it, knowing that she is being obedient. Lord, just bless her and help us to be receptive to your, to your word this morning. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Anna. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm sticking with the paper Bible and the paper notes. Too many things can go wrong with iPads. I'm not into the technology. Uh, just before I start, a couple of quick notices. Thank you for all those who volunteered to help with the food bank. Uh, most grateful. And um, we still need some help. Uh, the the times now, it's next Thursday, the 3rd, from 3 o'clock onwards, or Saturday between 11 and 1, or 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock on Saturday. And all it is is to stand outside Tesco 
and hand out shopping lists and ask people if they'd like to contribute anything towards the, the food bank. So there's a team of people. So if anybody has any spare time and would feel that they were able to do that, that would be really good. The other one is, um, don't forget that it's the picnic at Julie Clark's at Wrighton on the 13th, straight after church. You just bring your picnic, bring your sandwiches, and Julie will provide the tea and coffee. Now, before we start looking at James, I thought I might just explain very briefly about how the preaching rotor works. Well, the leadership decide on the subjects, you know, they decide on the topics. And there are 10 people in the church who preach. And the leaders send me the, the topics that we're going to look at. And my job is to match up the speakers with the topics. Now, that means, because I get to look at them first, that I can very selfishly choose the easiest one for myself. Unfortunately, although it's done prayerfully, it doesn't always work out that way, because sometimes some people, for other reasons, can't manage to do the date that they've been given, which is why I've ended up with this passage. And I thought, look at this. Fights, quarrels, envy, friendship with the world, making us an enemy of God. We're told to mourn grieve and wail and change the laughter to mourning and the joy to gloom. And I thought, well, there's not many laughs in this one, is there? So we'll start at the beginning and see how far we get. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Now, it's easy to think that James is just speaking to the early church, but you, we have to think it's applied to us. You know, what causes the fights and quarrels among us? Who is irritating you? Who is getting on your nerves at the moment? Who has upset you just now? <laughs> don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet. You cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. I thought, oh dear, we we'll only have to watch the news or television or read a newspaper to be aware that there's conflict everywhere, not just among the nations, but in homes and in offices, wherever there are people there is conflict, even sadly within churches. And in some marriages, anger and conflict are just the everyday norm. I heard of two old friends who were sitting talking one Sunday afternoon when one of them began to confess to the other one. Bobby said, I've got something to tell you I've never told anybody before. My wife and I have been married for over 30 years and we fought every day. Well, Bob could hardly believe it. He'd never suspected. He didn't know what to say. So he said, every day, even today, before church. Yes. Well, Bob was at a loss. He said, well, how did it turn out? He says, that woman came crawling to me on her hands and knees. He said, really? Well, what did she say? She said, you come out from under that bed and fight like a man. So I might laugh, but there are families where it's normal behavior. My younger grandchildren are in junior school, and sometimes they'll tell me about a classmate, and they'll say, oh, well, you know so-and-so, he's got anger issues. And I think, anger issues, and he's eight. But to be PC, a person who gets angry is said to have poor impulse control or oppositional defiance disorder. Did you like that one? Oppositional defiance disorder. In other words, he's got a bad temper. 
But James asks the question, what causes the problems? And he gives us the answer. He says it's not from an outside cause, but due to our individual selfishness. And I expect that we're all sitting here thinking that we're good, nice Christian people. But there's a streak of selfishness in each of us, like me trying to choose these easier verses from James. And I looked up selfishness, and it suggested that you might be selfish if you have genuine difficulty letting go of the remote control. Or you pick up the last piece of chicken, take a bite out of it, hold it up and say, did anybody want this last piece? (laughs) You know all the words to the song, I did it my way. Your favorite picture is the mirror, or you're out with a friend and say, enough talk about me. Let's talk about what you think about me. But the cause of anger is conflicting desires. When what I want conflicts with what you want, then the sparks will fly. It's about envying others and not getting what we want. Apparently, there's a gravestone somewhere in England which reads, she died for want of things. And next to it is one which reads, he died trying to give them to her. But violence is the ugly fruit of envy. In Proverbs 6 and verse 34, it says that jealousy enrages a man. And the Jews used one word for jealousy, and it means intensely red. Have you ever seen anybody so angry that their face got red and their veins stood out? And that's what James says. You want something, you don't get it. You quarrel, you fight, and even kill. But the first time that anger and murder are recorded in the Bible, right at the beginning in Genesis chapter 4, with the story of Cain and Abel. And they both brought a sacrifice to the Lord. Abel slaughtered one of the flock, whereas Cain brought the produce he'd grown himself. You know, he'd worked in the fields, he'd worked really hard, he brought the work of his own hands. Now, God accepted Abel's offering of the lamb, but rejected Cain's offering of the farm produce, which he'd really worked hard for. Now, we're told in Hebrews that Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain, So we can assume that God had made it plain to both of them what was required. And it's a reminder to us that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness for sin. A reminder that no matter how much effort you put in, we cannot please God. We cannot earn his forgiveness or his approval. We can only come to God through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, only through his blood. Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God, And his blood is the only sacrifice for sin which is acceptable to God. So if you're sitting here today and you think that you're good enough to get into heaven, then just think about this story. Cain's works were not enough. So we must put our trust, just trust in Jesus to save us. But Cain was so jealous of Abel that he became very angry. And even though God spoke and he offered him another chance, He couldn't let go of his anger, and he killed his brother. In verse 3, it goes on to say, just before that, it says, You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you must spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? James says that we don't have because we don't ask God. Prayers are not answered either because we don't pray, or when we do, we ask for wrong things or from wrong motives. Prayer needs to be for the right reasons and with the right attitude of heart. 
And if you know that you haven't got the right attitude of heart, then you need to confess that to God and ask him to change you. And I heard a story of a ship that was sinking in the storm. And the captain called the crew together and said, does anybody know how to pray? One man stepped forward. Yes, sir, I know how to pray. The captain said, great, you pray while the rest of us put on the life jackets. We're one short. So it's unlike George Muller, who when he was converted and gave his life to Christ, George Muller was so impressed by the number of times that Jesus said to ask. He and his wife gave away all of their household goods, refused a regular salary from the mission he worked for, and he then went on to open orphan homes in England, trusting God for everything that they needed. They agreed never to ask for money, never to run up any debt, just to pray and ask God to provide. And eventually there were five new homes, 110 workers, and over 2,000 orphans being cared for. So obviously we can pray about anything, and God always hears, and he's always interested. But at the end of the day, our prayer must be like that of Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. And we might ask God to be involved in our lives, but then not be so keen to allow him to change us so that our desires are in line with his will. There's a classic situation in the Peanuts cartoon. I don't think you remember Peanuts cartoon. And the same scenario ran for 50 years, each time with a different punchline. And in each one, Lucy offers to hold the ball for Charlie Brown. Now, it's an American football, so they hold it, you know, and then you run up and kick it. And every time Charlie Brown takes a run up to the ball, and every time he's just about to kick it, and Lucy moves the ball out of the way, and Charlie Brown goes flat on his back. And it keeps on being repeated each time the punchline's different. So one day, Lucy offers to hold the ball again, and Charlie Brown declines the offer. He knows how it goes, and he's not falling for that one again. Lucy starts to cry. She says, oh, I admit, I've played cruel tricks on you in the past, but I've seen the error of my ways. I've seen the hurt in your eyes. Would you give me another chance? So Charlie Brown agrees, takes a run up to the ball. Sure enough, Lucy moves it out of the way. Charlie Brown's flat on his back. And as Lucy walks away, she comments, unfortunately, recognizing your faults and actually changing your ways are two different things. So recognizing and admitting your fault is one thing, but changing how you behave is another. James speaks here of friendship with the world, and he uses strong words, you adulterous people. And here he's talking about spiritual adultery, allowing other things to be more important to us than our relationship with God. God is a jealous God, and we are his bride. Now, there's nothing wrong with enjoying life, enjoying yourself, but not at the expense of other people and not at the expense of obeying God. I really liked the message translation of these verses. That says, you're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. And do you suppose that God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he's a fiercely jealous lover, and what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. And it's like trying to have a foot in both camps, being a Christian, but not living any differently. 
There's a West African proverb which says, the man who tries to walk two roads will split his pants, which is very wise words. Sometimes I think that we've lost our perspective on values and it's a world gone mad. I occasionally watch the Antiques Roadshow and I think, how could that be worth that amount of money? And at the moment, frozen dolls and costumes on eBay, I mean, you could be paying any amount of money for frozen costumes. In the book of Hosea, Hosea is told to marry an adulterous woman. Now, the whole book is about her unfaithfulness, Hosea's heartbreak, and the joy of renewed relationship. And it's a picture of how we break God's heart by our spiritual adultery and our indifference to his love and how he longs for us to return to him. Now, James gets to the answer. In verse 7, he says, Submit yourself then to God. The word for submit is a military one, meaning subordination. It means to yield to the authority of God. And when we find ourselves in conflict with another person, we might be tempted to argue and prove our point, put the other person in their place. But if God's in charge of our lives, if we come to him in prayer, be willing to be humble, then his peace will rule in our hearts. I'm not saying that this isn't an inner struggle. But if we admit that we have this conflict, keep coming to the Lord in submission, then we will be given the strength to be more like Jesus. Secondly, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The Bible tells us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The devil is in the world, but the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave, lives in us. It's no good trying to resist the devil unless we have first submitted to God and referring to Ephesians 6, put on the full armor. Thirdly, it says, come near to God and he will draw near to you. If we just stop for a moment and consider that, you know, the God who created everything, everything, the world, everything, the universe, every single thing, that God wants your company. I mean, that's just amazing. And in order to draw near to God, we do have to clean up our lives, confess our sins, humble ourselves, and unlike Lucy in the Peanuts cartoon, be willing to change our actions and our lifestyle. Fellowship with God is on his terms, not ours. Just recently, I've been talking to a lady who visits uh, at the same place where my mom is, and we were talking, and I was able to share my story with her of how I'd become a Christian, and she was really interested, and she said, you know, I mean, she'll be a lady in her 70s, and she said, I've been searching for God all my life, and she said, I I've gone to church, I've talked to people who are Christians, and, you know, I just, I've never found what I'm looking for. So I arranged to get her a Bible, and I was offered to do a Bible study with her, um, but it Two weeks later, she came back and she gave me the Bible back. And she said she didn't like some of the things that Jesus said. And I tried to explain, you know, the context of it, but she wouldn't have it. She didn't want to know. And I thought, well, now I know why you've not found God all your life, because you want the kind of God that suits what you think he should be like, rather than what he actually is like. You want a God of your own making. And we cannot have the God like that. God is who he is. And we'll come to God on his terms. And he longs to be known by his children. We serve a living God, a God who speaks, 
and who communicates with these and we're told here to grieve mourn and wail over the wrong that we do john bevere in his book drawing near says god will never manifest his presence in an atmosphere where he is not revered so it's no good trying to draw near with a flippant casual half-hearted attitude to sin and expect god to show up so in order to draw near we must clean up our act humble ourselves before god and live right now it does seem that in the last few verses that james jumps from talking about our relationship with god to our relationship with others where he says brothers do not slander one another anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it but i was intrigued by the thought in one commentary that i read as i was preparing this and it said we will never be able to draw near to god unless we draw near to each other if we keep if we keep each other at arm's length then we keep god at arm's length 1 john 4 20 to 21 says if anyone says i love god yet hates his brother he is a liar for anyone who does not love his brother whom he's seen cannot love god whom he's not seen and he has given us this command and you know it's not an option this is important this is a command whoever loves god must also love his brother remember also that love is not a feeling it's an act of the will we choose to show love a person's last words are really important if you knew that you were going to die you'd want to say something that really mattered to you and just before his arrest jesus prayed for all believers that they may all be one my command is this he said love each other as i have loved you now on the rare occasions when our girls have had a slight falling out i am really unhappy because it means a lot to me that the family get on well with each other and it makes me really happy when everybody's getting on well i can't think of anything more delightful than having the family round and having everybody laughing and chatting together and it's the same in god's family he doesn't want to see bickering and hurtful talk among his children and a lot of problems could be avoided if we just gave each other the benefit of the doubt sometimes communication is the key you know it really if we communicate with one another would find it because we don't know all there is to know about another person we don't know what problems they're facing we don't know what's happened in their past that might make them react in certain ways so in these final verses james says do not slander one another do not speak against one another and to quote from peanuts again linus asks lucy why are you so anxious to criticize me she answers I have a knack for seeing the faults in others what about your own faults asks linus her response is i have a knack for overlooking them now i can identify with that one so easy to see the faults in others so easy to overlook my own which is just what jesus said why look at the spelk in your brother's eye when you have a great plank in your own so let me just leave you with one thought today how's the plank in your eye how's that plank in your eye you know it's time to get rid of it and choose to love others and let god draw near last week when we had all those extra chairs out i mean it was really a, 
you know, the thought that all of those chairs could be filled, that we could see this whole place filled to capacity. And I love the bookmark that we've been given to pray about over the, the summer. It's a really good idea. But I want to see more of God here. You know, I want to sense his presence. I want to see his hands at work. And I'm sure that you do too. So let's just get on with the business of loving God, drawing near to one another, and then God will draw near to us. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes. 